Hi, this is Mark Estale, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. My name is Sam Hughes, and I'm joined by the amazing Mark Estale. Thanks for finally joining us today, Mark. I've been trying to kind of sync up with you for a while now. It's finally good to talk. How are you? Oh, I'm rotten right now. You know, full of that winter ah, bug. Yeah, it's that time of year. <laughs> Quite a crazy time, really. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you're nice and busy. Yeah, I am. So before we talk about creative dialogue tools, for the benefit of our listeners, just give us a bit of your background and what you've been up to up until this point. Well, the whole lot or just a potted version? Just kind of um, a summary. <laughs> um, I'm a, well, you know, as, as I think probably your listeners know, I'm a dialogue producer. And I founded a, a, a production company here in London 20 years ago, OM, or commonly known as OM UK produce dialogue for games what i'm really kind of interested in is just just changing the shape of dialogue in games of actually just making it always you know making it better making the performance experience as good as what you can get in really good film or on you know in telly and stuff like that so it's a it's been a sort of technical journey as well yeah yeah because there's certain frustrations with games the way scripts are constructed and simply because of the complexity make it kind of difficult and you know I've, I've been on a kind of my kind of mission has been always to find a way of bridging the gap between games and the traditional world of performance yeah and it's a tricky area isn't it because of how games are so unique they really do need their own approach don't they yeah yeah they're a massive paradigm shift from you know from the traditional world and you know we're what we're 20 years in into dialogue now yeah and you know you look at the sort of whole traditional world of linear media and that goes back what two and a half thousand years you know and longer obviously but you know we've only got documentation that goes back to the ancient greeks but it's you know the whole methodology about performance about the way you do stuff is kind of based on on a traditional foundation which is massive and quite overpowering you know yeah so you know with games you're trying to either comply with something that doesn't fit or you're trying to do something new and I've been trying to do something kind of different I've been experimenting yeah it sounds like you've been up to some quite cool stuff now you, you've worked with dialogue for years now so you, how many changes have you actually noticed in that time or do you think we've been held back by focusing on building on the linear medium techniques oh that's a great question a complex one um I think, you know, I go back to some of the very first games I've worked on, and there's always been a vision, you know, but I'm a storyteller. I love, you know, stories and games, and there's always yeah. been a real passion, want to produce great dialogue in games. You know, it's been, you know, the, but the, my first encounter really, I was spoiled, really, with this encountering, you know, what LucasArts were doing back in the day. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought that was going to be the method, this, you know, the, the, the production values that were right throughout the industry. You know, that real care for story, for character, for casting, you know, for performance. Yeah. And it's always been there. But actually achieving that has always been a, well, not, it is regularly thwarted, you know, um, in different ways. So it's, it's kind of been a bit of a roller coaster over the years, no, but I think more and more now, developers are beginning to see 
the value of of great character work. Oh yeah, definitely. And I was I was going to say the industry seems to be stepping it up a notch in recognizing the importance and the the value of everything. But we've still got a bit of a way to go, haven't we, to kind of get that definition and the the quality right up there. Yeah, we 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 see some great stuff, but um, it well, it's it's the challenge of performing in the complexity of a game, which is the you know that's what CDT is all about facilitating. But it's it, you know it's always a journey. Every game comes up with its own curved balls, oh, and yeah. you know, um, and fundamentally, it's all down to gameplay. You know, gameplay has to work. Oh yeah. Um, and how they fit the you know the dialogue and the characters into that gameplay, you know, sometimes get is really really messy right up to the eleventh hour. But I, I think things are changing. I think it's changing in the from the indies really because they're thinking in a much more holistic view. Yeah. They can't afford to do lots of iteration, so they've got a they you know they're, they're planning really clearly um, and executing with clarity. Which they have to do because yeah. they don't have the budgets or the, the manpower to, you know, kill themselves, <laughs> kill themselves doing <laughs> too much. So you know they they're they're front loading the craziness at the in the early part of development, and then firing it through with focus, which is which is really refreshing. And I think that's gonna, you know that's it, it makes sense for development to have that clear drive in production. Yeah, there's some pretty crazy folks out there who do some insane changes at the 11th hour and you did you go i don't get this (laughs) and and the thing is the whole was a stack of cards or you know the whole thing can can crumble and i've you know unfortunately worked on quite a few games and with developers who've kind of imploded because they're trying too hard to you know with their ambitious too ambitious and trying to fix things when they should be leaving things. Yeah. Hello. I think one of the, um, you talk about indies as well. One of their kind of major benefits is also some of the freedom they have. Sometimes they don't have the restrictions that big studios have, or because there's such a big team or a tight deadline, um, they can explore things in a new way as well. Can't they? Yeah. Yeah. There's much more agility. Oh yeah, definitely. And when you get really agile teams, you're going to get a better product. There's some fantastic, there's some fantastic teams out there doing great, you know, obviously. No, oh, yeah, there's a lot of indies out there. Shitloads of games and, <laughs> yeah. the, and the big games, you know, you, you still get that. It's an industry of genius, isn't it? And, they, and there's some who are genius at organizing as well as genius at creating. Oh yeah. I'm constantly blown away by some of the games that are coming out, even by small teams with only a few handful of people, you know, that's why i do this stuff so it is such an amazing industry to be part it is the coolest industry in the world let's be honest (laughs) so let's talk about creative dialogue tools then so first of all what what exactly is it well fundamentally the the tools are about performance they're Mm -hmm. about context they're about getting that subtlety of performance into the games so fundamentally what the tools do is bring you know for in say for instance in recording you know, they bring the game into the studio. Yeah. These. So you can access any audio, any visual in the studio. It makes it's it, it's it's basically tech that supports a methodolo- methodology which I call game immersive voice recording. Hmm. So, you know, the one thing, one of the one of the things that breaks performance in games, it's not because there's a bad script or a bad actor 
or a bad director or a bad studio or anything. It's simply the, the, a mismatch of context. And, right. you know, so from, you know, for any actor going into any other media, context is something that is instantly known. You know, if you're on a film set, you've got the set. Okay, that's changing with all the blue screen stuff that they're doing on Greenstein. Um, But you know your relationship to the environment and the other people there. It's all assumed. So if you go back, you know, we're talking about the history of um, acting. It's all about context. You know, you don't get contextual information in Shakespeare's scripts. (laughs) No. You have... uh, you know, context and anything. On a, on a play, you've got your set, you know, and the audience, and you're playing to the audience. On a film, you know, your context is given by the camera and the relationships with the other players in the, in the scene. And so and the other things that in, um, um, influence context are distance, volume, you know, um, emotional engagement, you know, the objective all those sort of things are very very important to making the context right no oh, yeah you might have a great content a great performance but if it's too quiet for instance it's wrong oh, now, yes. if it's if it's too emotionally charged it's wrong if it's you know you know what i mean you need to have the context of the other performances of the environment you're in to actually be able to be for it to be truthful yeah and what the kind of general way of recording voice for games is what I call sample music syndrome. Right. Okay. It, it is. I think it's the you know it's a curse really, you know because you know you get these you know you get a, a dev they, they hire a great actor um, to come and perform their piece, but they get them in the booth solo with a director. Yeah. And they're going off one line at a time. And the director's giving them the context and saying, I'm oh, doing it again, and you know, we'll take another one, you know, have a safety take, and all that kind of stuff. It's completely contextually dry. The director, however, is holding the context in their head what they want. Yeah. Hopefully. You know, that's if the director's really engaged with what's going on. And you know, most times, you know, one of the things I find really surprising is sometimes directors get hired um, and they don't even know what game they're walking into until they're into the studio. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and it's kind of, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird because how are they going to get the con- context right without all the contextual information? Yeah, sure. So um, CDT is a way of giving the whole, bringing the whole game to the fingertips in the studio. So, you know, you click on a line in the script, all the context is there, the sound effects, the music, everything. But it means I've kind of been slow in getting CDT out there because it is a bit of a culture shift. Yeah. The developers. You know, so I've got so you're looking at when to do things in the in the production pipeline. You know, like yeah. when to cast, for example. You know, I advocate casting very, very early in the development when the characters are taking shape. Because then if you've got the voice of the character, you know, you've got the original artwork and stuff, and you've discussed how the character's going to be, you've got a sense of the character at day one of what you're going to do through the game. Yeah. And if you cast at that stage and you have a voice to the character, you suddenly get a, you, you get a, a unified vision within the developer. Um, right. Because oftentimes, you, you know, if you've got a, an image of a character and they've worked with a character for, say, a year, two years... Yeah. And they haven't cast the voice yet. 
every single person who's working on that character in one way or another, whether it's script writing or animation, you know, is has a voice in their head. Yeah, exactly. And they yeah. might have said, "Oh, yeah, some like somebody in a in a given movie, or they're given some sort of references," but somebody in a movie is, you know, it's much more than just voice. You know, I love the one. And, you know, I've had that Sigourney, what about Sigourney Weaver in Alien? Actually, if you listen to Sigourney Weaver, she sounds like your mum. <laughs> but, it, but it's her physical presence and the, you know, the tension, the music, everything creates that energy. You know, well, it's, it's like the context, off, like you uh, say. Hey? It's that context, like you say. Yeah, it's context that gives everything. But if you, you know, so casting early is really important. So the whole thing about CDT, it's plugging in really early into the, into the, um, into the development process. Mm. So if you've got a, basically, if you're aiming for a game immersive recording session where you're going to get the actors into context to get that subtlety in life, you want to be able to gather the, the game assets. Yeah. As a producer now, I go into the developer and I can get those assets and build up the, the CDT database. But it's, but it is, it, it needs malice of forethought. It's not a plaster you put on it. It is a whole production philosophy and methodology that actually liberates performance. Yeah. So, you know, the tools are are really powerful, but because of what else they do, because they help, you know, they they can analyze scripts and bugs and all sorts of stuff. You know, you can do your your scheduling instantly from the tools. I think that's something that people need to realize that it's it's not, CDT is not a specific piece of software that you use at a particular point where you'd use other software. It's a, it's a, it's a workflow that fits into the pipeline, isn't it? Yeah, and that's one of the things that really, you know, when I first started developing it, it was just answering the question, how do I, you know, I got a great actor into the studio I'd seen on film and on stage, and I invited him down to do a, um, an audition, and, and he just kind of bombed, and it was a really sad moment for both of us mm-hmm. and we tried and tried and tried and it was and it was you know it was realizing that we sat down afterwards and sort of dissected the experience together and he, and he said it is so alien coming into a game you know oh, i can imagine uh, from that world yeah and you know because you know he'd get his script he'd learn his lines he'd know everything about everything he did as a character comes from the lines in the script for a game's perspective that's don't, you know, you don't get that chance. You can't learn a three hundred thousand non-linear mess of a story. No, no, yeah, yeah. So, um, and we kind of dissected it together. And but he came back a few weeks later and actually nailed the role. And it, and you know, and I, and, and I asked him about what had happened. And for him, it was part of letting go of his preconception of about being an actor. Right. You know, okay. And actually enjoying being the character. The challenge, you know, for, for me was just like, okay, how do I get somebody? All the actors that I see, you know, I see some phenomenal actors out there, and I want them to shine in this world. And how do you bring them, bring them into the, into the gaming environment? And one of the things um, was giving them context. Yeah. You know, I what CDT does, but the, it, the, actually the most important thing was helping them to take a cultural shift from being the actor based on a character in the script to being the character and living the moment. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, there are great actors who, you know, who work in games. There are loads of them. But 
the 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 and the mark of them is that freedom to play, that freedom to just enter a character and run with it. Yeah. And it was, you know, looking at the, how a character, how an actor builds a character um, who's really good in this environment, one of the things I realized was there's a parallel universe, yeah. which, you know, which I've spoken to about before, is the, actually the, the parallel universe of um, espionage, of being a spy. Oh, yes. And how spies are. And I've, you know, had the fortune of meeting spies. Very cool. One of the things I realized, the actual skill set that a, a really good game actor has and, and, and what a really good undercover operative has is this ability to play, to be free, to be authentic in the moment. And, you know, and unpacking that, that took me into looking at how spies are trained and funnily enough they're trained like actors because it's about acting yeah but you know where whereas an actor will probably do a little bit of hot seating for every you know play they're in you know um, an agent who's planning to do an undercover thing or building up a, a character to to be invisible somewhere may spend months at that craft but actually what they're building is a skill set to to be character first. It's all about character. And once you're relaxed into the character, the freedom of performance comes. So, you know, so for instance, next week, I'm, I've got a whole week of doing the masterclasses with the students at Lambda. Oh, cool. And they're, you know, they're, they're a fantastic bunch of um, young actors at one of the elite drama schools. And they come from that traditional script-based world. Yeah. You know, what I'm going to do is go... Just take them round. Give them the paradigm shift from being the actor, come from the script, being the character from the script, to being a character in the world. So it goes character first. I think that's really important. And the, and the key to that release is in actors are the master of character. Yes. You know? However they learn it, now however they bring it out, it doesn't matter what methodology they've learned and trained. You know, they can be Method or Uta Hagen or Stanislavski. It doesn't matter where they come from. They understand character. And actors are passionate about character. So that bedrock of character first is a really important thing. It, it takes, and, and, the, and, you know, actors go, oh, so I'm using my character skills first. So that's what good game actors do. Oh, yeah, you know, definitely. We've got to be this guy. And they're going to go, okay, well, yeah, just make them something different. They just enter into that space. And that character comes to life in a different way. It's definitely key. Like you say, it's, it's having the ability to react like the character. And so if you throw something new into the mix, you're not going to go, oh, well, that's not in the script. You'll just react how the character would. Yeah, and it's, and it's one of the things what the, the CDT is especially good at is giving the moment so they can just enter the moment. Hmm. And, and it, they, it, so it's been a sort of tandem development of, you know, what helps the actor in the series, what helps the developer, you know, what's going to make this work. But it's actually taking both, really. One is working with the developer to be aware of what empowers performance and working with the actor to what frees them to perform. Yeah. And, you know, so it's been this... There's a, there's a kind of lot behind CDT. And it's not, you know, yes, it's a fantastic tool for reviewing stuff and QAing and, 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 and doing posts and stuff. But it's, its core 
is about uh, liberating performance. So it changes, the, you know, for instance, the studios here and the one I've just built in L.A. are, are different from a standard recording studio. You know, so we treat the studio like, uh, you know, the control room in the studio is like the truck outside the embassy in the, you know, Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, the work of the actor being the spy, so being the character going into the, into the game world is like the spy going into the embassy to get their objective or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely. And what the way the control room is set up is like, this is the support truck. You know, so this is, you know, the, the whole philosophy of it is that we are with the actor. We're part of a team going in to nail that role without being caught. <laughs> you know, the actors really enter into that. They get it straight away. But we change the layout of the studio. So it's, it's like a film set in the sense that it's the audio side of it is invisible. Yeah. Uh, the engineer is, you know, off, off stage. You know, you know, if they're on film set, they'll be hiding off camera. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, and it's very like that. So it's about the relationship between the director and the actor and the context of the moment. You know, so the tools bring the context to the moment, but the, 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 this game immersive recording space is very different. You know, the director's up front, the engineer's out of the way. There is no interruption from the engineer unless there's tech, just like on a film set. Yeah. And, you know, the director controls the place, you know, so the, you know, the director controls the tools. So they've got the script, but the script is tied to the tools, et cetera, et cetera. All on screen, it's all free. The other thing is we don't use, you know, your standard mics in the studio. We use the, you know, the DPAs, either Define or the, the 60, I can't remember them. <laughs> um, yeah, so we attach the, the microphone to the headphones, so the actor's actually free to be the character. That makes you know, a lot of sense. Like, the standard mic, you know, put a, a 416 or a U87 in front of an actor. I call that the cage. Yeah. What cage does is constrain performance. So I want the actor to live and breathe the character. So surrounding the actor with screens and, and a soundscape, that means they can respond to stuff. They can live in the moment and they can be physical. They can crouch. They can, you know, they can move freely with the actor so they can move as the character not yeah, as makes a, sense. in a booth in the bloody cage yeah holding a bit of paper staring at a microphone yeah, yeah. so say i'm a developer who's thinking okay this sounds cool but it does sound like i'd have to change quite a lot what components would i actually have to modify in my workflow to, to kind of incorporate cdt how would i from a beginner's perspective incorporate it some of the developers do very different things with us you know so we've just had one and through um, who we, could, we had a build of the game, which is fantastic. Mm. So we could instantly access every single moment of the game as we're recording. That's brilliant. So the actor can see exactly the moment, the intensity and everything. And because CDT in recording, it accesses all the audio and every take that has been recorded. You know, you can throw any of the dialogue of the actor from CDT. But what the, basically, the more assets, the better yeah. for recording is the golden rule. So visual assets, you know, artwork, if there's no, you know, it, it depends what stage they're recording at. But what we do is cast early, record as late as possible. So there's as many assets as possible. So on the you know visual side, it's anything that's visual, you know, characters, um, objects, the scene, video, 
ear footage of the game or the or gameplay, which is even better. You know, just playing it live. Um, but it, you just want, but you want to be able to flow in the studio. You don't want the studio to be reliant upon a director making the performance. You want the actor to enter the scene and live right through the scene. So, um, so visual assets, all audio assets are valuable. You know, just making sure they're available. And if they've got databases, having access to those databases so we can access the, the assets. We try to make it as easy as possible, but we just say music, sound effects, hmm. um, you know, this, you know, spot effects, your ambience. And it doesn't have to be the final, final stuff. If more final it is, the better, but you can mock it up. You know, so sometimes when it's, you know, when you're recording early, you know, you're, you're recording in a crowded environment. So you just say, well, how crowded is this environment? Okay, well, let's just pull up a, a, a random library sound effect of a crowd. Does this work? Yes, that fits the context. So you right. just use that. So it's not about, but it's all about pre-production. It's about careful pre-production. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, definitely. But, it, but once you get into production, it gets really fast because it's, it's intuitive yeah. so you know with some of the you know with with the production we've done now we actually delayed we just simply uh they came to us and said we want to record and we want to record here you know we need to get this recorded here because we've got to get it in the game get it tested etc yeah and i said okay well and i went to them and said well you really you know what we would like to do is gather the assets and i want to delay the production by three weeks yeah um, and I kind of explained it to him and the whole process, because we edit in, you know, the dialogue in real time, you know, CDT has an editor as well, um, which we're, we're not kind of releasing yet because it needs some work on it. It's great internal, but has, as a, as a, in a public thing, it's not quite um, there yet, but it's, um, we edit in real time. So, and we edit every single take. It means basically once you get to the end of a recorded day, your audio is ready to go in game. Yeah, it's already sorted. And it's tight, yeah, and basically because the audio is tied to the script, um, you know, click a line, it plays, it plays all the alternative lines, all the alternative takes, you can do take selection, you can do all the tweaking as you're recording, and it's really fast. So, you know, we've, we've had developers come in, and they go, okay, yeah, you're recording, you've got a week recording, then you've got a week, maybe a week and a half, editing in QA, and they pack up, then they've got to get it in game, and... And test it in game. What what CDT does enables you to test it as you're recording it, and it's already edited. Yeah. So fundamentally, at the end of the day, they can walk out with the audio and get it in game. Yes, it's already just implemented, and they've seen it working. Yeah. So for them, what happened is like, yes, we we delayed recording by three weeks, but actually, then they compressed their integration. You know, by six weeks. Oh, right. So you still yeah, so they allocated, you know, six weeks of getting it in, testing it, leveling it, all that kind of stuff. And actually what happened is because it just goes straight out of the studio, drops straight into the game that day. And because of the because of CDT tied to the database and everything, you know, it's right. You know, it's in the right place. It's no, you know, you take this zero error, error approach. Yeah. So if you've done the pre-production, it'll just drop straight in the game. You can go. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it, so for you know for them it was like okay well actually delaying three weeks has saved us three weeks and you know in in the math yeah so it's uh so it kind of made sense 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those things that I think, as you say, developers will will slowly kind of come around to that way of thinking, but it's, it's kind of hard for them to break out of a, you know, a few decades worth of their method, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's like you walk into a game immersive session and it's pretty jaw-dropping, you know. So, you know, it's one of those things when you're actually into the session, people go, holy fuck, because I've never seen anything like it before. You know, when we built the studio um, in Santa Monica, it, it, you know, I've been slowly filming actors and people coming down to experience the way the, the game immersive studio works. Mm. And it's, I had one actor come in and she was crying, you know, it was just like, as from, from a performance perspective, it's so liberating. From a production perspective, you know what you're going to get in, in game exactly because it's contextually rich at the very point of creation. Yeah. There's no guesswork. There's no multiple takes just to make sure you've got one that works. You've got multiple takes that all will work, and, but it'll give you a different flavor. Yeah, without it being so dry. And you can start messing with those flavors and the nuance and the humor and the, you know, the subtlety. You can bring stuff down and you know whether it's going to work in game. It's, you know, we, we get a producer coming in who's used to holding everything in their head and they've got, you know, reams of data and notes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then into the game immersive thing, you're just concentrating on that one moment and you know whether that moment works or not. And the kind of weight that just sort of, flows off their shoulders is kind of nice you know oh yeah it must be so freeing for them yeah i love it you know it's one of the greatest kicks i i get you know um working this way is because it's because it is so exciting you know everyone comes out of the session smiling the actors love it because it's becomes a real roller coaster they don't know what they're going to get and part of that we know i don't give the script to actors in advance and that is part of the philosophy of you know, it's about authenticity in performance. Yeah. Spies don't have scripts. They have a character. And, and they it, yeah. enter the world and they live the, you know, they live the world and if they blow it, they're dead. This is the same basis of doing performance, you know, in games. And there's nothing in life, well, there are a few things in life that are rehearsed, but most of life is living. It is... It is all authentically lived. It's not rehearsed. You know, the great craft of an actor is to make surprise look like surprise when they know exactly what it is they're doing. Yeah. Once you've read the script, you've lost the element of surprise. You know. Well, yeah, that's part of the problem, isn't it? It's, it's all rehearsed. So part of their skill is 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 truth is faking it. Yeah. It's just like the whole thing about authenticity. When you get, the, you know, some of the film directors who work with don't give actors scripts. You know, they they just throw them into a, uh, you know, into a scene and let it happen. And um, but you know, people like Mike Lee or Scandal Copti do really interesting, you know, stuff. Work with actors or non-actors to get insanely real performances. Mm. I don't give the actor the script in, in advance because you want them to live the moment. You want them to be fresh and surprised. And maybe you will roll a scene two or three times as they grasp it from different angles, but it's still fresh. Is when you start to really think it through, it starts to be thought through, not lived. You know, you do voice stuff. Yeah. And if you're recording stuff, sometimes you get a script and your first cold read nails it. And it's generally the first three reads have it in the bag. You know, you don't need to rehearse it. 
you know, and it's statistically right. You know, it's it's front heavy. You know, if if you labour a script, it becomes turgid. It becomes oh, yeah. kind of false. You kind of lose the plot, and um, you start thinking, oh no, emphasise that word. What have you done? You know, and it's suddenly lost all life, all context. Yeah, and it loses that authenticity, like you say. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a way of working. Um, and most scripts, you know, don't, you know, allow for reading in advance. And it's thing that doesn't stand alone. The script doesn't stand alone. It's not a script by itself. It's a script with the context of a moment. And it's, you know, for a readers and actors reading a script, in advance they're imagining the moment and so they will put an emphasis into their thinking and may not be there in the real world you know so performance might be sometimes you get these performances a bit theatrical yeah. yeah and you know that is down to it being voice-led rather than okay there's sound effects and music which are creating the tension you don't have to do it in the voice in fact, sometimes you want a juxtaposition. You want a contrast. Yeah. So it's all hell's breaking out, and then you've got calmness. Then that surprise of, you know, how things are in the real world. You know, one of the things I really hate in, in a lot of games is the amount of screaming. Oh, yeah. You know, all the sag stuff that's going on now. And actually, um, death and pain are, are often very funny moments. In a, in a sense of the way we react, the way, oh, yeah. we, the way we deal with stuff. You know, I've broken bones and had limbs hanging off. And it become, because of the way your body responds to stuff, you don't go screaming. Sometimes you start joking. And it's bringing that kind of level of, of reality into stuff is something that I'm, I really want to do. You know, it's just like, why are you put into this mindset that, that a scream makes it more real? Well, it's that Hollywood style, isn't it? And actually, the real reality is actually more dramatic. It's got much more dramatic intensity. There's a lot more nuance there because it's it's not as hyperbolized as it is in in Hollywood movies and the way things are a lot in games now. Yeah, and actually, if you watch them, you watch the movies. There's some phenomenal uh, sound design in there, and you watch, you know, big shootout scenes, and nobody's screaming and shouting, and you know, but it's probably the guy who's trapped his fingers in the door of the car. Yeah. shouting not the guy who's been shot in the leg yeah. and and yeah they, they understand that in film but you actually what you see is chaos you know it's actually what you want to you know what you hear is something different mm. well it's all definitely very exciting stuff with cdt it's all very reactive which is definitely what is appropriate for games and the way games are developing can you tell us about what projects have already used it or is it still quite hush hush Oh, God, there's loads. Well, yeah, the first stuff we did with it was working with Telltale on their Wallace and Gromit. That was about, what's, 2006? Oh, wow. We've done So that was one of the first prototypes. I'd actually designed it for CD Projekt. We're looking after them, uh, the Witcher series, because you know, when we brought Witcher from Polish to English, oh, uh, right, yeah. that was a kind of a challenge. And so I just thought, and I want to get this completely off paper. I want it to be flexible. I want all the context in the studio because it's a massively complex game. Yeah. But then they changed publishers and, you know, produced the, the follow-up games elsewhere. 
but I'd had the tech, I'd done all the groundwork for it. And then when Telltale approached me to do Wallace and Gromit, I just thought, oh, you know, I love those guys anyhow. They're big heroes, you know. So um, to actually to, to work with them was just a real honor. And then to bring the tech in and they came in and loved it, you know. And then we we did some stuff with them with Game of Thrones, this, um, you know, when they did the Telltale series. Oh, excellent. Kevin Brunner came down and he said, oh, my God, this is the best studio I've ever, ever been in. Oh, wow. So it was like, that's really nice. And we're doing, we do, you know, kind of lots of bits and pieces. The big, some of the bigger titles I can't mention right now. Obviously, yeah. Unfortunately, but next year I'll let it out. Well, it'll be all out. But we do, you know, kind of a lot of story stuff because that's what I love as a, as a producer. Oh, yeah. I like what the indies are doing. You know, there's a lot of, as you said earlier, the freedom that indies have to do stuff and imagine stuff and, you know, the, the level of creativity and innovation that's happening with some of the indie teams and some of the smaller teams is fantastic. Oh, it's excellent. And they're, you know, and they're passionate about story. You know, they, they know some of them that they can't build insane graphics and great technologically brilliant games. Yeah. So they're, but they, but they can write good story and have great characters. You know, so there is, there tends to be more of a, leaning towards character and they can do it oh yeah you know you can get the the subtlety of performance of the you know the last of us into an indie title and it's just all about the writing and it, or, you know writing takes time oh yeah but when you're a small team and you've got time you know, there isn't that same pressure oh yeah get all the tech and if you've got really good character people engage with the character and they understand that I think there's just so much emphasis on people think that you need the amazing graphics and everything else to bring characters to life, but you really don't. Like you say, you can have a fantastic character that's a block as yeah. long as it's written well, you know? Yeah. For instance, the first UK developer to fully use the uh, CDT with everything was the, the last Broken Sword with, you know, Charles Cecil. Mm, yeah. And that was just so fun, you know, because it's simple, it's a point and click adventure, but it's all about character. And for that environment, it works so you can get all the performances to connect. And there's a real pride in that. I don't, you know, um, I loved it. Yeah, it worked fantastically. It won awards, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, I got the best voice acting on the well, the Aggie for uh, the adventure game stuff. Yeah, it's excellent. So it obviously works. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll be getting the, some of the stuff we're working on right now is going to pick up a bunch of awards and stuff. So it's uh, excellent. That's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. And it's, you know, CDT's brilliant stuff that you've been working on for a while, but it's not the only exciting news you have. As you mentioned, you've now got a studio in LA. So yes. what's, what's going on there? Well, what it is, I've been trying to take CDT into the developers out there and kind of we go up, you know, I've talked to the studios and they get, yeah, you know, to talk about it is one thing. Yeah. To walk into the space, it is the penny drops. People just go, holy fuck. <laughs> you know what i mean and it was it yeah. was a decision if i'm going to be serious about launching cdt i want to you know it's, cdt is my baby i love the whole philosophy i love the you know the, working that through over the years has been a, a real joy but the thing i want to take forward is cdt because it's going to empower people to do production better you know and i like that oh yeah so but the, so building the u.s studio was there's loads of recording studios in, in l.a and I looked at loads of studios to actually take the tools into as a kind of showcase space. Yeah. But every studio is, 
they're fundamentally traditional recording studios. Every studio that's been built is based on linear production. There oh, are yeah, of course, yeah, not course. game immersive spaces. They are recording studios. So yes, you know, games are a square peg to the round hole of of traditional performance. For performances, studios <laughs> yeah. are a square peg to the round hole of of games voice recording. You know, so they're they're kind of a compromise. And when I want to launch this, I want to launch it with no compromise. Yeah. I want people to walk into a, a space that has been designed to be that environment. You know, they walk into a game immersive space which is controlled by the tools. You know, it's my dream. It's it's fundamentally a demo space for what can be. It's I think it's the future of how games dialogue is going to be recorded. Yeah, well, it all sounds fantastic. It's an incubator space, so we're doing stuff, experimental stuff with motion and facial capture. We're doing experimental stuff with uh, VR and recording in VR. So we've got the, you know, this whole, there's a thing called the Hyperator there, which is a, an experimental VR um, unit and does lots of VR training and experimentation. And bringing that over with the motion capture and the facial capture stuff is, you know, we're kind of tasting the future. You know, it's... Um, it's it's kind of a fun space to be, but it's not fundamentally a studio. It's a, it's for somebody to come in and see what we're doing and seeing what the tools can do and how they can do it. Because actually, it's not that difficult to get CDT into your pipeline. Once it's in, it changes everything. It's a game changer. I think the whole methodology is a game changer. So, you know, you don't want that sample music syndrome of cutting up samples and putting them together. It's like, you know, you want to hire the Royal Philharmonic or- Orchestra because they're the best performers to do your orchestral piece. Then what we do is put them into the studio and, you know, and traditionally you just chop them up into little samples. Yeah. Then you put them back together again as a, trying to get an orchestra sound. And you're never going to get that unless you have the orchestra play together. Yeah, and play the full piece. You know, it's time for CDT. You know, we've done it with music. People are orchestrating, bringing in live music rather than doing sort of the, you know, amazing mixes on digital. But it's you know, sample composition stuff. But it's still, you know, it's sample composition stuff. And that's exactly what you get with games. You know, you know, it's sample it's sample composition dialogue. And it sounds like sample composition dialogue. Yeah. The dialogue that really works often is the stuff that's been dealt with traditionally like in motion capture because that's a performance in a traditional format you know it's got the, everything about it so you get these amazingly subtle performances on a motion capture stage performance capture yeah you've got all the contextual stuff going on there and then you go into the end game and then you get this sort of funky generic stuff that is disconnected from everything and it's just the sample music syndrome you know you want the orchestra to play well, yes, because people aren't having that conversation, are they? They're saying a line, imagining the response, saying yeah. the next line, maybe two or three times, and then, you know... <laughs> it's utter bollocks. And, I, you know, I love the pressure that... There's quite a few things. I'm talking about the, um, the sag after strike right now. Oh, yeah, of course. But one of, of the things they're saying about, you know, the actors never know what game they're working on, sometimes even when they're working on the game. Oh, yeah, sometimes they're performing without even knowing what game it is. And it's just like, well, one, that's that's just, you know, I think that's daft. Yeah. You know, the whole thing about there are reasons for secrecy and stuff like that, understandable, but they're NDAs. Well, that's it. They've signed an NDA anyway. So why keep more secrets from them to hinder their performance? Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing about casting, you know, I want to cast early. 
because it engages the team with the character and the actor. And actually, actors love it. They yeah. like being part of that process and being consulted throughout the development process as well. And it doesn't matter if their characters go, oh, we don't, this character doesn't actually work, we're going to change it halfway through. But you've actually got a process that is engaging. You're yeah. bringing a team together to be you know, a creative unit. So it's like when you have that congruence between animation and writing and performance, you have something that is much more refined and, and true thing with the strike that people are complaining about not having that is that yeah you're not having the basics of what actually makes your work better than you know makes it better yeah it's surprising really that we've not already kind of fixed that before yeah yeah we fixed it with our productions 90 percent of all the productions we do we walk through that barrier day one with the developer and the production so they buy into a different philosophy but that's what's happened here in the uk Right, no, yeah, and yeah. In, in Europe, you know, people want to have, you know, you're talking about marketing of games and stuff, you know, use of social media in development, you know, control things like that are very valuable in the new world. You know, it's not about having these huge TV campaigns and everything. Not everybody can afford, you know, millions for promoting their games. So they've got to promote them in novel ways and actually through you know, social media with the actors and everything else, it becomes a much more organic way of working. And actually, you know, devs are beginning to actually see the benefits of that, not oh, being yeah. precious about the secret thing they're doing. They can hold some of their USB secret, but actually the general work and engaging the actors in the process. Oh, yeah, is, I mean, it works for them. It's important, you know. I think you're shooting yourself in the foot in more ways than one by, you know, keeping people disengaged i think yeah if you remove it too much then you're going to lose out on a lot yeah exactly so it sounds like it's been an incredibly busy year for 2016 for you guys so what about 2017 what's what's next <laughs> oh god well you know what being a being a production company or whatever we are <laughs> um, it's still like being a freelancer you only see a few months ahead. Yeah, there's a few yeah. productions, and well, we've got long vision, but it's just you know more and more production here. We're developing. One is to get the CDT out into into the developers. We're working with one publisher to put it right into their whole pipeline as it goes through, so their internal teams and their external developers buy into it, and yeah. it's part of their contract with the with the publisher and we're actually doing a case study with this publisher now and taking it through into localization because it totally transforms how localization is done oh yeah i can imagine that's another that. discussion to be had but you bring in that whole methodology into localization and suddenly localization becomes a different ball game and that is that is really exciting so we're actually working with one publisher now right through the whole process in the internal development external development localization and out into the localization vendors and everywhere that's going to take a while but that's oh, yeah. going to be the real launch um case study for the for the tools to say look this is how we've done it this is what's done this is these are the costs these are the benefits this is what you save as far as you know financial stress as what well, the impact on quality etc etc that is my baby over the next and it's probably going to be about six months i'm going to be working on that right nice 
and of course there's you know loads and loads of different productions happening as well so yeah everything else to do in between i know it's just (laughs) it's a little crazy it's it's kind of nice but it's you know it's still uh you know you just got to follow what you believe in and and it's really nice when you make a living doing it um you enjoy it well that's the important part yeah Awesome. Well, that's all sounds incredibly exciting. And, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of cool stuff coming next year as well. So, you know, wish you all the best with CDT. And thanks for joining us again today, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sound Architect podcast, sponsored by Krotos Limited, creators of Simple Monsters and Dehumanizer. Don't forget, you can also catch all of our great reviews and other articles at our website at www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. If you would like to support The Sound Architect, please check out our sponsorship link as well as our Patreon.